Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. This episode is with Neil Starr. A really successful career um, from a fellow Welsh lad. Uh, really enjoyed last night, mate. Yeah, um, it was brilliant to see the the insight, um, just his backdrop. For those who want to catch us on the visual uh, on Crowcast, his room is just full of Star Wars memorabilia. Figures, in fact, is collecting OCD. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant, but we, we kind of learned that about him when he's into something. Yeah. Um, I think we've got a little bit of that. I know I definitely have. It's, um, I almost obsess about things, and I really get into it, like, you know, and there's there's got to be a route or something that has drawn me into that, like, you know. So, um, yeah, it was. I didn't expect it to go into that because we spent quite a bit talking about like i don't know like you said the collectibles of the star wars and um then we were talking about game consoles and another various stuff as well which was brilliant because that's yet again what i love about crowcast it was um a look into to his personal life like you know and what he's into like so 100 oh, percent. you first 20 minutes of it you you kind of uh, get a sense of who he is his personality and stuff and it's probably the reason why he is so um or has been successful in in previous projects and stuff because um you know he's like a dog with a bone you know gets that idea and he's off and uh, he doesn't stop until he finishes completes um so yeah a, a lovely guy super talented amazing vocalist i think he's a brilliant singer and a really nice guy, fair play. Yeah, and on this episode, um, we cover his musical journey from Dopamine right up to his brand new project, uh, The Beatles. Uh, and as Shane said, it's available if you want to see the visual or if there's anything about the episode and you're like, oh, I wonder what they were looking at. Um, it's available on YouTube or www.thosedamncrows.com and it's episode 73. Should we get into it? Here we go. Strap in. This is Crowcast Podcast. Hopefully. Crow family, please welcome the incredible talented Mr. Neil Starr. Hey. Well done, son. He's frozen. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Hi, boys. Yes, man. Buddy? Yeah, I'm good. Very good. How are you? Good, man. I'm looking at your backdrop there, but it looks like a museum. What is going on here? Tell tell everybody what's going on. It depends if my address is going to be given out or not. <laughs> well, no, no, you're safe. Absolutely it. not. That's fine. <laughs> It's loads of really expensive Star Wars figures. Wow. So, no, it's, it's basically um, a hobby of mine that escalated beyond all reckoning, really. Um, it's every figure they released from 1977 to 1985. Oh, my God, and dude. I'm a bit embarrassed, actually. <laughs> no, I think it's amazing, Neil, honestly. I um. I've seen you kind of putting little things on socials and then I'd obviously spoken to people as well in the scene and they were like, oh man, he is well into it. And you, you're the same with the, like the video consoles, wasn't it? Like the um, old Mega Drive Saturns, Nintendo's. Yeah, 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 yeah man. I had, I had tons of that stuff. Um, I sold it recently though. What? Because the plastic crack is expensive. So I had to, something had to give. <laughs> so 
to further expand the Star Wars collection, <laughs> I had to sell the games, basically. Right. Oh, so, wow. Wow. It's a shame, you know? It's a shame. But even your light but, is that the, that's the Death Star, isn't it, when it goes back up, is it? It's just like here when it looks like you. Uh, All right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. It's, it's the reason I bought it, but yeah, it isn't an actual Death Star. All oh, right. The only thing in the room that's not Star Wars, and I said it, yes, I keep You found it. You found it, yeah. The one thing. That's incredible, dude. When when did that happen? When did you start do, collecting them? Or have you just um, always been a Star Wars? I loved the film as a kid. I used to watch it every day. Not gonna, not gonna lie. Um, and then, when I was about thirteen, I went to school, came home, and my mum was like, "I was like, oh, mum, where's my, my figures? Then sold them, gone. I didn't realize you were still playing with them. It's like, ah, oh, fair play. The, the, give, the giveaway sign was the fact they were all on my floor, you know, in like poses, and yeah. I was playing with them last night. But you know, <laughs> don't don't let that be a, a hint that I was still playing with them. But yeah, so they went, and then I never really recovered. So I had to get them all back in my early twenties. So yeah, I mean, I started collecting them back again slowly, and I got all of them like you know loose as as you would play with them as a kid. Yeah, and I thought that would be the end. But then one day I thought, oh, but a cheeky one's still in the packet, like you know, just one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. You know, how cool would that be? Like, I love one of them. That arrived, and I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> Again, another one. <laughs> and then 96 later, they were they were all there, all done. Wow. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. I love the fact that it's taken over that entire room. So is is the other rooms, like, is that's just Star Wars. There's no other characters in there. It's just Star Wars, is it? It's just Star Wars. My wife won't allow anything past the door. <laughs> so... So it is what it is, you know. Yeah, That's the rules, like. So the thing um, is, did, did you like? Um, I imagine it become exciting. It just becomes it's a rush, like because you're you're hunting down certain figures, which I can't imagine. All ninety six, you said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine they were easy to track down, or was it just? No, they're know? not. A, there's a lot of people who want to collect them, so when anything comes available, it's gone quick. Um yeah. And. That is the that is the rush for me, the collecting part. It's yes. the same with the games. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know why I turn that off. You hear that ding then? I don't know why I turn that off. If you can't hear it, fine. Um, so that with the games is like my first first console I ever owned was a Sega Master System. Yes. And like when yeah. you when I was a kid, I had like 10, 15 games or whatever. As an adult, you go online and you go, how many games did they make for the Sega Master System? In? Oh, 236. Cool. Let's buy them all then. <laughs> so me and Dane from uh, Phil Campbell Band, we'd be on tour and we'd just be going on charity shops and like all the CEXs and see, because he also collected retro games as well. So we'd just be finding what we could. And obviously like after gigs in your bunk, you know, like on eBay, what's, what's going? Like trying to hunt all, everything down. And it's, that was the buzz for me. It was like hunting them down. And then when I had them all, it was a bit like, Oh, what now then? You know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. well, I'll, I'll move on to Atari Jaguar then. How many games are there for that? Oh, 46. Oh, that won't take too long. Did, did that one. Hey, I, need a, <laughs> I need a challenge. Nintendo, <laughs> Nintendo Wii. How many games? Oh, 1,237. That'll do. 
So <laughs> I, I got to about 800 and I gave up a ghost. I was like, I don't even know what I've got anymore and what I what I need. Like, So there's 800 games in my attic for the Wii. I was going to say, how big is your house? <laughs> it's a tiny yeah. size. It's, it's all right. right. It's, it's all right, right. yeah. It's okay. It's, it's not a three bed. <laughs> it's more than that. <laughs> but I know the vibe because I, I got a bit of that. Like where if I'm into something, um, I am into it. Like my, my missus will tell you that. I'm like, I'll hunt it down or I'll obsess over it. Like, you know, or or constantly search for it. Because I had the same the other day with, um, I told Shane this, retro football tops. Um, oh, yeah, man. Well, I had the same story where I remember going to my mum's years ago and saying, where's all my old football tops? Because I, I had a sudden, like, and I was like, he's into football. Uh, she was like, oh, I sold them all. What do you mean you sold them all? I took them to a car boot. You sold all my football tops. and, and for, like, 50, for 50 p like. Yeah, and then I had that tantrum, like a, a grown-ass adult, but I had that tantrum, like, oh, I can't believe you sold my football tops and all that. And then I've started slowly getting them back, like, you know, but I'm only wanting the ones that were special, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Or, well, the Welsh um, tops, is it? Welsh tops, and then it's gone a bit of sea kick. You start going out with the, you start <laughs> going out. So when we were kids, Shane will tell you, I always wore a certain Brazil top. So I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm going to get that back. Um, and then there's like um Porto top and a Barcelona top with Stoichkov on it. Um, so yeah, it's just that I can connect with it, dude, because you just can't explain it, like you know. And um, yeah, yeah. Same with wrestling, man. You know, I'm not. I'm not just into wrestling. We were talking about it before. I, then I started collecting certain figurines, or then I was like, "Oh, I might get a, I might get that one." Oh, I remember having that action figure. Maybe I'll get that one. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the excitement of trying to bid on it or get it for the right price as well. Which, um, especially when I was going to certain toy cons and stuff, I was like, "Fucking hell!" You know, you can really get caught up in it. But that's an, a mag- magnificent achievement because. I know people into Star Wars, and they'll all be very, very envious. So, yeah, you're I, impressed. Jesus. I, I'm, yeah. almost scared, I'm almost scared to say, in case my wife sees this, but I bought, <laughs> speaking of wrestling, you know the Hasbro figures from the 90s? Yes, yes. I bought, this, I bought Superfly Jimmy Snooker Mint Don Card on the weekend. <laughs> but I hope she's not watching. <laughs> <laughs> Was I, it got, I, got a, I got to sneak it in the house. You know? Was it pricey? I think it was 90 quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's still in a package. You know I mean, it's just like... Oh, well, that's fine, yeah. It's, it's difficult <laughs> to get them... There's not many exist, is it? That's the thing. Well, that's you want to buy the figure on its own, loose, it's like a tenner. You know I mean? I'll but... send you a picture later, but yeah, I've got the uh, the original Hulk Hogan figure still in packaging. Um, that's how the obsession started. It was like, I'm going to get my favourite wrestler as a kid in yeah, a yeah. packet. And, and you're right, man. It, it just fucking starts then, and it's like... Well, actually, I love that food with the warrior, so I'm gonna have to get the warrior now. And then yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking like before you know, you got 45 <laughs> figures, and you're like, oh, there's only 60 to get. I mean, look at the last 15, even though the rest is I've never heard of. I know, man. Jesus Christ! I picked ah. up Neville Southall on the weekend. Then we, he's by here. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> oh brilliant. man, yeah, he, he hasn't come yet, but I've had, I've had Hughes. Oh, look at that, Ratcliffe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rush for for years, and I've been hunting eBay for Neville Southall for ages, <laughs> and uh, I found him on a weekend, put a cheeky four pound offer in, and he's on his way. There we go. So, see. It's great, isn't it? I love yeah. that. I love he's, that. 
he's a lot thinner in the figure than he is these days. But, yeah, he's, <laughs> still, yeah. he's still a legend. Well, that's oh. what I wanted to know. Like, is it just like, yeah, I just buy him when I can, or is it the, yeah, you just you fucking you you just gotta get him. Like, do you know what I mean? It's almost like you you're committing to it. Like, you know, as in you're into it. Um, I just like collecting. That's the problem. Yeah, no, I get I, that. I play that Pokemon Go game still. No one else does, but I, I still play it. <laughs> it's because it'll never end. Because where do you stop? Because you've got to catch them all. So that's an infinite amount. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where'd you go with that? For a collector, it's a nightmare. I'm learning a lot about you, but you, Neil Fifley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, it's not all. It's not all good. <laughs> uh, so talk, let's let's go back in, but let's, let's talk about music. I see you wearing a Pearl Jam top there, but you're a massive yeah. Pearl Jam fan. Yeah, my definitely my favorite band. Yeah, got a little bit of a Pearl Jam T-shirt collection actually to go along with your, your football <laughs> tops. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought one off the off the original dem, uh, drummer David Brucey. Shut Whoa, did yeah, you? It's, it's a class. It's amazing, amazing shirt. Wow, I didn't get to meet him. It was all done online. Like, but yeah, it was it's cool. It's in my wardrobe. I haven't worn it. Can't just in case it fades or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, How did I, that come about? You were just after that T-shirt and it just, he was so happy to, to sell it or you just kind of came yeah, across him? Yeah, just look, look, specifically looking for that one T-shirt. I mean, I, I bought, when I was in Japan, like, we'll talk about this probably later on, like, but when I was in Japan touring and I was in this like vintage co-shop and it was this Pearl Jam shirt. I was like, oh, that shirt is amazing. It's like caricatures of them. It's from the first tour. It's like, bought that. Came home and then years later, I was like, "Ah, oh, what am I ripping that shirt off with Attack Attack?" So we had caricatures drawn. My mates from uh, down the road does drawings. Um, Minty, his name is amazing. You might even know him through football. Uh, casual kicks, and um, he, he redrew us all his characters for this T-shirt in the same way this Pearl Jam one was. But I gave him the shirt to copy, and then we were on tour, and he dropped the shirt back down the print shop, and. Uh, I came back off tour. I was like, oh, Justin, where's, a, where's my Pill Jam shirt? He's like, what Pill Jam shirt? I was like, you know, my Pill Jam shirt. My mate said he dropped it back down. Like, he picked up his rag off the floor. He'd been cleaning screens with it. Oh, no. I was like, oh, you're joking me. Like, he'd ruined the shirt. I was, I was devastated for ages. And um, so, yeah, I was on the hunt then for one for a long time. And then randomly, somebody pointed me in the direction of one being sold by the original, you know, Pearl Jam drummer like So pretty random. Managed to get it at a decent price, so I was happy. But yeah, where the one ended up as a rag in a, a printing shop, like, which wasn't good. <laughs> bit of a wheeler dealer, but today what it sounds like. <laughs> I am a bit, yeah, not going to lie. But it is it's something in me. I just like collecting and it's a weird thing. So Yeah. But yeah, I love Pearl Jam. I got a yeah. shirt when I, when I saw him last in London. A couple of years ago now, just before lockdown, I think. But always been a massive influence on me personally as a as a singer. Yeah. You know? Oh, he's incredible, but uh, his voice is incredible. It is. It's flawless live as well. 35, 40 songs. And you can't tell, you know, he's not just singing easy songs, like. No, and exactly. changed, I love the fact they change the set list every gig. That's incredible, you know? I didn't know that. That's oh, yeah, every... Every every gig, Eddie Vedder 
write a set list out, hands it to the band as they're walking on stage. So they haven't got a clue what they're playing oh, until, man. They, so until cool. they're about to walk on stage. I so didn't you, know that. That's incredible. If you, if you go back and look at like, because they do loads of like bootleg, you know, official bootlegs, don't they? I don't know if you know. Yeah. But they do, you know, they record all the gigs and every single gig is different set. It is pretty special, like, you know. Wow. wow. I've seen yeah. them about two or three times, but I wouldn't have noticed that, if that makes sense. So I, I know they've played different songs each time, but I didn't yeah. know. I, I generally didn't know. I thought, you know, you know, like some bands go on a cycle, don't they? And then you're like, yeah, yeah. them for two years, so they're obviously going to play something new. But that's fucking magnificent, that is. Oh, yeah, gig to gig. If you, did, if you did a whole tour watching them, you'd see a, you know, a completely different set every single night, which is pretty mad. That is... So are they, Matt, were, they the, were they the inspiration sorry. in bed? Were they the first band that made you want to pick up the guitar and sing? Or, or was there other... What, what were you listening to as a kid? It was actually Nirvana. Um, there's a programme on TV when I was... I was too young to watch it, really, but it was on late at night on a um, Channel 4. It's called The Word. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, Nirvana came on. I wasn't even into rock music at all at this point. I think I was listening to Criss Cross at the time with my jeans on backwards. But <laughs> we had like... But you went looking for those jeans as well, didn't you, online? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, he's dead now. Rest in peace. Um, so Nirvana came on and played Team Spirit, and I was just like, what the hell was that like? And that literally does like a light bulb moment for me. I was like, I want to be in a band. I want to play guitar. That was just the best thing I've ever seen. I think the next week, Rage Against Machine came on and did Killing in a Name. I was just like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, yeah. what, is this, what is this music? Because in my house, it was all Barry Manilow like, and stuff like that with my mum. So, yeah, it opened my eyes to it, and that was it. Then I was into the grunge scene pretty heavy yeah. after that. And I bought, I bought a guitar that summer because I wanted to learn to play guitar, and did I was a reluctant... No, I I learned I bought a tab book. I bought the Nevermind tab book and the Radiance Machine self titled album tab book. May as well have been in flipping Italian or <laughs> Japanese because his guitar playing so fast. It's like 17, 19, 20, 25, 30. <laughs> you can't do it. It's impossible. When you're learning guitar, it's like it's, it's no good. But yeah. Nirvana was okay. And um, so I learned to play basically to Nevermind power chords and. Um, I was a reluctant kind of singer. I, I didn't really necessarily want to be a singer, but no one else in school would sing. So I was like, well, I'll sing for now then. And yeah. then no one else ever sang again. But <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I used, to, I used to sing facing the drummer because I was so embarrassed and nervous of being a singer. Like, yeah. Didn't, didn't do a gig like that, but like when we were rehearsing, I, and, you know, if you ever rehearse in school, you've got friends come in and watch and all that. It's like, Oh, I don't want him watching. Yeah. If I turn the mic, if I turn the mic around and face the other way, they won't even know I'm here. Like. So what? What was the first gig, bed? Um. The band was called Super Unknown. I remember cool that name. Very cool yeah. name. Yeah. Um. It was probably some school thing, to be honest. Yeah. I don't remember, but we would have played like just Nirvana songs or. Ugly Kid Joe or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah that was the time, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the scene like by you then? Because, like, we talk about this on Crowcast and and we always talk about it anyway to anybody, but I just remember our school just fucking blew up. Like you said, Nirvana happened. 
um everybody started growing their hair just dressing scruffier and and it was just like it was just a fucking revolution do you know what I mean? it was just like mm. a new that was it like everybody just got in bands if you if you could play brilliant but I, what, what was it like with you was it the same or it, it wasn't to be honest I, I bought a cardigan like Kurt, do you know what I mean? Because of uh, Unplugged. Went to school and everyone's like, what the f- who's this freak? What's, what's he doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm in a cardigan like, like Kurt, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm the freak. You're the freak. There's a new Nirvana is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there was a couple of us in school, really, and that was it. And, but that was enough. But you only needed a drummer and a bass player, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. I remember the school gave us money to go and record, which is cool of them. Um, so our first ever demo was super unknown. We went to a studio in Cardiff with 250 quid the school had given us. Like, That's brilliant, that is. Which, which, which was class. Um, but there, was, there weren't really any other bands in school. We, we were the only, the only one, really. There was a few local bands with some older people in, like, do you know what I mean? But we were like 16 years old or whatever. And yeah, we, there wasn't anyone in school playing. There was a, a handful of us who knew Metallica were and... You know, we'd hang out. I was lucky because like, I also like sports as well. So I was kind of like friends with the sporty kids and they forgave me for my cardigan because I was good at football. <laughs> Do you mean? That sounds very similar to me, but I, I was very sporty, but music was everything as well. Like, so yeah, I, I was I had two groups of friends, really. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. Same. yeah. But yeah, so it was, when we started, obviously, like doing covers gigs and as as teenagers, we then saw there was other bands doing it and then it kind of grew a bit more, but it was more a bit later on with the Oasis revolution and Ocean yes. Color scene and all. It wasn't more the grunge then. The bands that were coming out locally were more, you know, playing that kind of indie yeah, indie stuff. It's cool though, you know? And yeah. we we also played those songs when we were covering them, do you know what I mean, as well? Yeah, I mean, both, yeah. both pockets were cool. I mean, because we don't live far from each other. It's just... I always explain this to everybody. Everybody kind of knows everyone, but there's still a large enough radius to do or be active, especially back then, because you could almost tour Wales. You know that. You could, you yeah, know, yeah. a 15, 16, 17, you could do like a proper tour around Wales of just pub clubs, like, you know, and it was, there was enough people kind of in every area, whether it be Bridgen. Bridgen had like two or three places you could play. And then yeah, you could come up to Pontypreeth, Caerphilly, you could, you could, there was all places everywhere, like, you know, in Newport, Cardiff, Jesus Christ, like, you know, it was... Yeah, um, yeah. there's a load of cool venues, on not it? That was the beauty of it, like, there's plenty mm. to plenty to do. I mean, I'm talking pre-2000s now, like, I mean, so yeah. it was a bit more, yeah, a yeah, bit yeah. earlier. Obviously, like, when that, like, Lost Profits explosion happened in Wales, yeah. that was more when I started to see all these bands... And we all started going to the same gigs and yes, all started yeah. playing the same gigs. And we all, I was a little bit older then, but like that was when they all kind of, I started making friends more with people who were into my kind of music then as well. You know what I mean? Rather yeah. than it. When do you start writing your own stuff in, bud? Was it around that time when you saw other bands in Wales sort of hit their big or? No, I, we started writing our own stuff in school because the, the first demo we did with that school money was original songs. Right. Um, so it's from day one, really. Start, I was right in. Yeah. Um, we still got that recording. Somewhere, yeah. Send somewhere. it over, but let's have a listen to that. Oh, but it's atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I definitely haven't got on my laptop. I'll send it to you. I have to find it. It's oh, on a tape, it's yeah, on a tape do somewhere. That. Do yeah. that. It's on a tape. Yeah. But the, the first time I met um, 
Stuart from Lost Prophets was he was working in a a studio in Gaffilly called Frontline. Yes. Yeah. And we rocked up like seventeen years old. Didn't have a clue what was going on. Like, uh, yeah, we want to do an album, please, but. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> cool. Well, what happens now? Then? You got any songs? Well, I've got a couple. Like, we need a few more for an album. All right, we'll go and write some more songs then. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I met him. We did, we did a 10-track album with him of stuff with Super Unknown, this band. And uh, I went to university after that, to be honest. So nothing really came of that band anymore. But the one guy who was in the band... Um, I think you know Sam, Sam Phillips, the drummer from Dopamine. He was in. Yes, yeah. He, he was a guitarist in Super Unknown, so we started a new band together, which ended up being Dopamine then, with uh, another guy, James, who was from Gaffilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, well, how, that's how it all started. That's what I was going to say. That was the band that, if we're just talking like, because I know everywhere, everywhere now is kind of geographically closer anyway now. That's, it's just inevitable with the internet now. But back then, it was like, even if you were from, 20 miles up the road it could have been an hour and a half away because like you said you know there were scenes within a scene like you know and um your band dopamine then everyone started knowing of them and other bands within that like lost profits etc because it just all burst open didn't it? and there was this whole like the radius had spread and and everybody started to know it like you know yeah yeah it was an exciting time i think uh, you obviously had funeral for a friend as well at that time and yeah, yeah, yeah. Other bands are exploding and and making it big, and it gave you that belief that like, oh, but they're from down the road, and they they're touring America now, so we could do that if we believe in ourselves and work hard, you know. And I, I think that for me anyway, there was kind of like a a moment where I realised if I really wanted to try hard, there should be no reason why we couldn't have a, a successful career in music. Because other people I know were literally from down the road have done it, like, you know. Well, I think the first level for me and Shane, like, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but the first level, and maybe you 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 remember this, Shane, of level of success that we heard or a band doing well was um it's a band called Revoker. And they were like Yeah. In, yeah, they were like Indie-ish. And um I just remember because they were like not far from where we live. And it was like, fucking hell, they're doing it. They're doing really well. You know, if you took out the Manics and then obviously, like when we were kind of bursting through or, or like playing and in bands, like Phonics had just signed to V2. Um, so they had made it, made you believe, you know, a bunch of boys from Kamam and, um, and all of a sudden now they're on like TFI Friday and, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and like fucking, you know, to us then, especially growing up in that era, you're like, Jesus Christ, anything's fucking possible now. Like, you know, so, because obviously in Mannix, we were a bit, we were a little bit too young to kind of catch their, 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 their fame, like, but the Phonics is definitely someone I think we caught hold of and went, wow, um, they're going for it. And then obviously if you move on then, you, you're right, then you had your Funeral for Friends and Lost Profits and Bullet, well, Bullet, yeah. on, uh, in yeah, Bullet, yeah. like, you know, so, um, yeah, they were all like ripping up that scene, like. But Dopamine did great as well, dude. That was like I said, you were a an it band, I call it, because it was like a like I said, there was a real scene, and everybody was going to the gigs, whether they be in the Wreck in Bridge End or Football Club or Molsters, Newport yeah, yeah, DJs, yeah. Uh, Club um, Barfly in Cardiff. Do you know what I mean? There was a great yeah, yeah. scene happening, like you know. It was. It seemed like everyone was supporting each other at that time mm. as well. You know, like. If you weren't playing, you go and watch your mate's band. 
you know yeah and and the shows it was great and then you had other bands who were doing all right taking those smaller bands out with them on tour to give them the help and exposure they need to to reach a bigger audience and then it was real it's a big thing in wales wasn't it it, it was like you know everyone was yeah. helping each other out which is great yeah, I just got corrected. It's Revolver, not Revolker. That was Jamie's Revolker? That was Jamie's band, yeah. Jamie's band. That was on the tip of my thing. Yeah, Revolver back in the day. But yeah, 70, like. I mean, that, that's... that's the hell, boys. From the past, that is, is the dopamine days, like. <laughs> I had nothing to do with me, but I had nothing it's like, to do with this me. This is your life now, isn't it? It's like, uh, it's like hang on, no, I didn't uh, sign up for this. Uh, <laughs> it happened. Uh, you can't, yeah. you can't remember it. It happened. So, dude, it was a great, like I said, it was a great time for me and a great time for so many others. When, when it it came out that you were coming on, you the amount of people who messaged saying about dopamine, it was it was brill, like you know, and that's that's a real fucking credit to you and the boys, like you know, because you did the work. Uh, we tried hardest, you know what I mean? We we gigged and gigged and gigged and we wouldn't turn anything down. Do you know what I mean? It was like just just write the best songs you can. Work as hard as you can, you know. We all we all quit our jobs to do it full time, even though there was no money in it. Like, but uh, that was kind of how you had to look at it back then. It was the the theory was gig three hundred and sixty five days a year, and eventually it'll it'll click like, and something will happen. And we did do some amazing stuff. In all fairness, um, yeah, I, the very first tour we did was with with um. What's that band called Under Oath. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because we, we we basically did a tour. There's a band called The Hurt Process, and the drummer from that band was working A and R Golf Records. I don't yeah. even know if Golf Records still exist, actually. Um, but yeah, so he saw us play every night because he was his band were playing as well. And um, at the end of that tour, he was like, "Want to sign you to Golf Records, mate?" <laughs> it's like. Should you from Australia? Let's say accents are my strong point. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's uh he's about six foot seven, this guy, he's massive. You have your brother's shoulder. Oh, you're gonna be big man. So yeah, he's like that was a big deal for us. The bad news was we had to go and sign the record contract when Wales were playing the flipping qualifier for the Euros. It was like <laughs> that Russia game. Tamping. Oh, what? <laughs> It's like, Whoa. of all days, we got to go and sign when it's Wales' biggest football day for a long time. But yeah, so that happened. It was good. Wales didn't qualify. That was bad. But mm. yeah, so we signed with them. We did some tours with like bands like Beloved and other bands that were on that Plastic Head distribution, Golf Records thing. Yeah. Did some shows in Europe with that as well. Got to meet like an American man called Zebrahead who I've always... They're, you know, best mates now, but like they've always helped me out personally and with the bands I'm in and given us amazing shows and stuff over the years. And um, yeah, we just did did what we could. Funeral for a friend took us to Japan, Australia. Unbelievable times, like you know. Yeah, what was that like going over to Japan and stuff, man? Ah, uh, but I, I'm in debt forever to those boys for those experiences, like you know, because you'll never ever forget it. It's so different out there. Yeah, yeah, than, yeah, yeah. Than what, you know, than anywhere else, the culture, the shows, everything's different. But it was, it was unbelievable. It really was. We did, we did it with Lost Profits as well, actually. So we did it twice, lucky enough. But 
yeah, it was amazing. We had a record deal out there, which um, helped us get these tours, you know, because we had to have a label giving us some funding to go out there because we couldn't afford to do it ourselves. And yeah, it was just incredible. Walking at Tower Records and then these big displays with your face on and I was like, yeah, bye. And like people stop you, <laughs> people stop you in the street for photos and it was class. It was really good times. It was wow. like, it was so different to like being back home then. Yes. You know, was, yeah. Cause like, you know, you wouldn't be, even though like we did a right locally and all that and, and, and stuff, nobody stopped when you walk around Cardiff to go and have a picture, but you know, it's, it's not happening really. But in Japan, mm-hmm. it was, it was bonkers. People hyperventilating just to have a picture with you. Like is it's pretty cool. And the mm-hmm. arcade machines were, were incredible. We were sat there playing Super Mario Arcade. <laughs> I looked to my left and it's the end of Shikari boys. It's like, what the hell, boys? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so random. Like, I think we played with them in Bridgewater Rugby Club like the week before, and then we're both just randomly in this arcade place in Tokyo a week later. That's mental. <laughs> it was so funny. I love yeah. Japan. Who do run? I yeah, think. it's on the. It's definitely on the bucket list. Like you know, yeah. and um, and Australia as well. When you just said Australia, because I know um, a lot of the boys have been out there, and I've heard all the stories, and you know, whether it be like whether it's the Bullet Boys or Sean or or other people, um, and they're all like, oh man, when we went out to Australia, or when we played this festival, or when we did that, and you're like, fucking hell. But um, I know a lot of the festivals are gone, or what they were have gone. Um, so I'm hoping that scene kind of comes back like you know or or something yeah. in that kind of you know that 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 fucking thing because they sound incredible times in all fairness it was a banging festival they called Soundwave. that's the one yeah uh, it was it was unreal like it's a one-day festival that moved to the five different major cities in uh australia and you'd be just traveling on the plains with like it's full of all the artists like you know see so like you sat next to, you know, the guy from Slipknot or whatever. Or, you know, it's just so random. I remember the Black Up Boys saying they want to play with Jared Leto and he's doing his yoga in the middle of the plane. And it's just <laughs> rad. Again, it's the stuff you don't, doesn't happen to you in Kefili, like, you know? Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it's amazing times, like. And that festival was unbelievable. And we were lucky we did it once with Attack Attack, we did it. But, yeah. Well, that's a segue then. So, you you know, obviously you had great success with dopamine. And then, um, sadly, you you and the guys kind of parted ways for a little bit. Um, And you came back out then, didn't you, with with Attack Attack? Because I remember there was a real buzz. Um, There was a good campaign or, you know, at the time it was MySpace, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Oh, we hit MySpace hard. Yeah, and it worked, man. I was telling you. We put the hours in on that. Like, yeah. Me and Will, the bass player, used to be an adequate seven. We would be on MySpace 24-7, just chatting to people and like just trying to, you know, keep a buzz going and get more of a buzz. I mean, it was it was it had to be done though, do you know what I mean? What else are you gonna do if you don't yeah go out there and pedal it? No, there was no label behind it, really. We did have a, a label in America actually. Hopefully they're not watching. But yeah, I mean, it, it was us driving it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like, you know, like I, we just, we were talking about this just before you came on. And um, I think that's going to be the theme about this. If anybody's not prepared to work for it, you ain't going to get nothing. You know, we, we've had the same conversation with others. But Attack Attack, especially in that 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 era, like MySpace had just come out. 
which is totally different to the early dopamine days or any of the bands around the South Wales scene who had to put posters up. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, that was it, wasn't it? And stuff. That was the only real... Yes. And like, exactly that, man. Because you know I mean? it proper was word and mouth. Because I remember going to a gig, and Shane probably the same, when we used to go like to the football club or something, and you, if you missed a week or if you missed a band, you'd hear how good they were. So you had to, you had to literally wait or go on a forum to see where where they'd be next, or you just yeah. hope that they came back, or you hope that poster went up and seen seen that fucking band as a support band or something. But now, obviously, MySpace has been created, and Tom's everyone's fucking friend, and it is all about having friends. And I just remember, like like I said, Attack Attack. We were saying to Shane, I was saying to Shane there. There was such a good campaign behind that, and it was former members and everything, and the buzz within that scene was just like everybody couldn't wait to see you play, like you know, and it was almost yeah, yeah, in, yeah. instant glory almost because it was like even from your first gig, because I think I was at your first show, um, and then you were watching that kind of take off from there, then like you yeah, know? So, I think we played Clever Bond, I think, was the first gig we did, yeah, um, yeah. We, we had about six or seven songs written, and it was. Such it was a massive buzz to play, like because, like you said, it was people were like anticipating it a bit from from the stuff we'd done before. Obviously, we had mm-hmm. Mike and um and Ryan from Pete's Sake in the band as well, yeah. so they were they were an established band around South Wales as well. So it was kind of like and Will from Adequate Seven, yeah, yeah. So I think everyone was a bit like, oh, it's, you know, I can't wait to see what this is going to be like. And um, mm-hmm. we kind of hit the ground running with that because we had people already backing us. From the other bands, you know what I mean? Yeah, they wanted you. They wanted you yeah. this new project. You weren't having to convince anybody, like you know, to check it out. So we all had, had these industry people who were already like singing your praises just from you in a two-track demo and stuff to be done. And um, yeah, we had like visible noise. Yeah, wanted yeah. to sign us straight away, and we. I'm. It was bonkers thinking back, and it could have gone totally wrong, but. I said to the boys, oh, let's just go to America, record the album, do something different, like, you know? Because we'd always recorded with uh, Ramesh, mm. Toten Goda, and obviously he's amazing, and there was nothing against him at the time or anything, but just wanted to do something different. It's like, it's a different band, so it seemed right to do something completely different for recording. And um, a couple of the boys from The Prophets had moved to LA, and Stuart, like I said to you earlier, he had a studio in Caffili years and years back, he was like, oh, come to LA and I'll record you. Like wow. the old days, like. So like, okay, we got no money. So let's think about how we can do this. Like, so um I looked at my credit card, what the limit what the limit was. For some reason they gave me a 16 grand credit <laughs> limit. <laughs> Did the sums, 15 and a half grand. Job done. <laughs> Job done. Let's go. Book our tickets. We we stayed in um a place called Oakwoods, which we were in Nirvana State when they were recorded Nevermind. We were just living a dream. Like, we were nobody, nobody's, but we were, like, in L.A., like, living it up off my credit card. Because the photos were going on MySpace as well at the time. Yeah, yeah. And this is the beautiful thing about this story, is, like, if that was, like, a year or two before, you know, you're telling people that, oh, yeah, we've been to America. But because this is, like, your first social network site it's all of a sudden anybody in the scene is looking at fucking photos of those boys partying it up by like swimming pools and it's yeah, like yeah. they're in fucking america yeah <laughs> like yeah yeah 
Mike, Mike Griffiths in the hot tub, loving life. <laughs> <laughs> One night, it was about half past 11 at night. He'd had a long day in the studio, Mike, love him. And uh, we were just in, in the hot tub, like, ah, oh, yeah, boys. Phone goes, Stu. Yeah, drum takes are no good, but get back. It's it's midnight, like, Stu. Like, you have to come back. We haven't got time to waste. So we're back, back on the studio. <laughs> Mike was devastated. So and his beard like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You probably had about five beers by then. <laughs> I was going to ask you, but what was the, like, um, as you said, you know, the, the anticipation for it, because it was a new band and, you know, ex-members of X, Y, and Z, but, like, was the writing process different, completely different, or was it, did it come really quick? What was what was the vibe compared to the other band and that? Well. Like, right inside of things. Was it mainly you, or? No, we all we all wrote stuff. Um me and Ryan spent a lot of time together at that time writing stuff, but also Will, the bass player, he's like a riff machine. So he'd, he'd come up yeah. with these these riffs. He'd just email me songs. I'd be like, wicked. I just got to sing over this now. I haven't got to even write anything. Like. Right. I mean, there's a song we had, You and Me, and there's this riff on it. And I, when I heard it, I was like, this is fair place, this is class. Like. And um, yeah, so that helped because there's more people. Yeah. See, you know, it wasn't like, People in Dopamine didn't ship in because they did. Um, we all wrote together in that band as well. But like, I think more was offered in with Attack of right. that early. Yeah. You know, like we got a lot of stuff in early days. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, well, that song you and me ended up going on Guitar Hero, which was mental. Yes, wow. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Like, that was out of a blag, to, to be honest with you. Like, unsigned band, like, we had we got a manager and who sorted all that out for us. You and Grandy was class, um, yeah. And then next thing you knew, we had a publishing deal because because of that. Basically, I think um, we signed the same day as Phil Collins, and like we we were signing away. I won't tell how much it was because it was a decent amount of money. But I don't want to say yeah, that. Yeah. And we signed. We all chuffed in there. Oh yeah, we get boys. Yeah, yeah. And the guys like, oh, do you want to what, what Phil Collins got boys? Like, yeah, <laughs> go on in there. Fifty-one million. Ah, oh, thanks, sir. <laughs> Champagne tastes a bit funny after that. Yeah, fifty-one million. Wow. So yeah, it kind of put a dampener on the day, but yeah, it's cool. And then yeah, you know, we did loads of cool stuff for that as well. Loads of cool memories with, with that attack, attack stuff, and full of optimism going into the second album. Um, went and did that with Ramesh and. You know, we really were loving the songs and we're really super optimistic. Like, the, this is going to go up another notch now when this yeah. comes out. We, we signed to Hassle Records as well, which is a good label in the UK. And um, for some reason, it just didn't kick on, which was gutting, like, you know. Mm. It just needed to go up that next, that next level with that album. And um, I think ultimately that's why things fell apart with it because I think Ryan got a bit disillusioned with the fact it didn't kick on and we were also confident it was going to, because the songs we were really happy with all the songs and, and everything, but yeah, and that was kind of it. Then it kind of all started to end after that. Was was that your choice or was it just like the label? What, like how, how did that come about? You know what I mean? Cause like you, obviously you guys can write banging tunes. So did it, was it ever a thought of, well, just like do another album, you know, keep going. Or... Well, we did actually, like, but I think, and again, the grass is greener looking back, but I think at the time, 
you know, I think the thought was, well, this will kick on now to slightly bigger venues. And and it, looking back, it was what we had was great. You know, we were playing shows to cut under people a night. Some nights were worse, some nights were better. But you wanted more, you mm-hmm. know. And because that didn't happen, I think just get a bit disillusioned with the whole thing. And um, I think, you know, Ryan made the first move right. in, in leaving. And I think once one person leaves, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the same band anymore. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And then we, we started recording the third album. And I can't remember if it was just before we went in or during recording, Mike, the drummer was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to leave a band as well after we've done the album. Like, so it was just me and Will at that point, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you're faced with a decision of, well, do we, you know, replace Ryan and Mike and then go and tour the album? Or do we maybe go and start something new and take a, as a fresh yeah, start sign? Like, I mean, such an ed fact, like, you know, you're going in to record, you know, an album, like that would put me in a right pickle. I would like, I would spin my head. Cause you know, you go, that's, when you go in to record music, you're doing it with those boys. You know what I mean? It's that, that yeah, yeah. something. But like, then half of them are gone. But Ryan had already left before we started recording the album, so I was doing all the guitars on the album anyway. Whilst we figured out, you know, yeah. what was going to go on moving forward, we did announce. I think we did announce he left, um, or maybe we hadn't. I can't remember. But yeah, so I was doing all the guitars anyway, and it's like, okay, we'll figure out what's going to happen after we've d- finished the album off and everything. And then yeah, it's a bit of a, a extra blow end when when Mike decided he wanted to go as well. Um, and yeah, the decision we made at that point, me and Will, was well, we'll put the we'll put the third album out. Yeah. And um, we'll start the new band, me and you, together. So we started a band called States and Empires. Then I don't know if I've ever uh, admitted this to anyone, but we had four songs on that Attack Attack album, the third one. That we thought, no, we'll keep them for States and Empires. So four songs on our States and Empires album were meant to be Attack Attack. Right. Attack Attack songs. Ah, fucking hell. So we released an EP then, pretty much straight away with States and Empires, which were those four songs that were Attack Attack. We recorded them and everything. Mike was the drummer on them, even though he wasn't the drummer in States and Empires. Yeah, because right. jo- yeah, Jono was the... Uh, Jono joined, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we did a full album then with... with uh, with John on drums. Um, and yeah, again, I was like, that album felt, I think it still feels like the most real I've been. Snakes and Empires now? Or the yeah, yeah. 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 And no, and no one even knows it really, that the songs, you know what I mean? It, it didn't really get any kind of play. We did one tour and that was it. Um, well, I, I messaged you because um, I knew you from Dopamine. I knew you from Attack Attack. I'd lost kind of contact with you with Attack Attack and then um, States and Empires. Then I missed the EP um, and then the album. Um, and I messaged, I bought bought the fucking record because they were obviously sent out then as well. Like, and um, yeah, yeah. I was just like, this is great. This is a, a great record. And I remember because the Crows, we had yeah, just started. Link as well, yeah, yeah. Because we were all listening yeah. to it in in the camp, weren't we? And going, mm. fuck, this is this is something we relate to. Do you know what I mean? Because that's I love that about music, man. It don't matter if you know anybody in the band and stuff. It was the fact that we knew you as well. It was like this is a cool band, just just audible, like you know, just this is yeah, fucking. Yeah. This is exactly what I would I would listen to. This is exactly what I would buy. 
Um, and I think we played a show with you finally in like um, EVI in um, in Ebervale, I think. Was it Shane or was it, was it fucking... I'm sure it was Ebervale. Yeah, there's, I'm sure we played there. Yes, yeah. yes. We got, to, got to play with you up there and it was great because you were seeing those songs come to live then. Yeah. And I was so glad we seen that band. That's because I know obviously that, that, that kind of didn't last for a bit. And then it was, it was getting, cause we were, we were, you know, we were so supportive of it as well. We were fans of that band. Like, you know, so. Yeah. That was gutted, man. When we, we did, we did a tour with it and it was a harsh reality. Like, you know, it was like, it doesn't matter what band you were in before and who liked that band. Mm. When you start a new one, you can't, you can't bank on anyone giving you that loyalty or time of day. Like, you know, even if they loved your other band. Um, mm. And that was a bit of a wake up call for us with that, because I, I thought more people would get into it because they liked attack attack or whatever. Um, and the tour we did was, it was real hard. Like, you know, it wasn't many people came to the shows and, and they were free gigs as well. We set up this whole free tour. Like, that's right. Um, yes, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I, if I was negative, because if you, don't commit to buying a ticket. You know, you, maybe you aren't going to come. Like, I don't know. But it was a hard time. It was a hard three weeks. And I think, yeah, after that three weeks, we came back from the tour. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's when John was like, oh, I don't know if I can, you know, I want to, I need to win some money, all, all the stuff, real stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah I can't, sure. I can't, I can't do tours for nothing. Like we're all yeah. in the same boat to me. So, yeah. It's a shame because we did go out to Europe and play some wicked shows in Germany. Um, and, and everywhere we played where we had a crowd, it went down amazing. Like, yeah, we had a couple of songs where we had the crowd getting them involved because the lyrics were, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyone can sing that, any language. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was good. So I, I think it could have worked, but it just wasn't the be like, you know, the, not shortly after that, then the whole opportunity with Phil came along. So there was definitely. No, no going back at that point, you know. So, yeah. So, I, I take you just jumped to that end of it. Was it any yeah, control? Or like, well, there's no expectations going into it to be honest, because all it was at the start was just we played Todd Campbell's birthday party, did right. like yeah. four or five, four or five songs, like as part of his birthday. Yeah, and um, everyone enjoyed it who played, and um. I think Phil said, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind doing that kind of thing again. Like, boys, you know, obviously he's busy with Motorhead, like, so it's not going to be a regular thing. But, uh, you know, if we get some time, we'll have a jam, we'll make up a little set list, like, and maybe play a few shows. And, um, yeah, so we did, we did like, Bloodstock, just a little stage in Bloodstock, which is class. And then <clears throat> Barfly, like you mentioned earlier, a couple of other, a couple of other places. Um, and it was just a really, like, low-key thing to start with because we couldn't play many shows phil was too busy and then obviously when lemmy sadly passed away phil had the decision to make whether he wanted to still continue in music or not and he decided he wanted to and then that's when we decided we'd do the band but actually write our own songs as well because before that it was always motorhead songs and like yeah. other covers of classic rock songs and stuff that phil liked you know yeah there he is. I'm holding bollocks, babe. We <laughs> <laughs> were massive. Yeah. And that, that's that's me preempting the photo you put up earlier of the red T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. <laughs> there he is. 
<laughs> yeah, well, like, I remember that because obviously, yeah, it, it was originally Phil Campbell and the All Star, All Star Band. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he liked that because my surname's Star. He's like, oh, that's class, All Star Band. But then, yeah, it's yeah. Like, well, you're the only, you're the only star in the band, so don't know if people are going to get that. And um, I think it went over a few people's heads, but you know, it was, it was a cleverish theme. But uh, yeah, we so we did that for a little while. Um, and then, yeah, we decided to, well, Phil decided he wanted to do the band more as a, you know, originals band. Mm. And that was great. We got to then actually write songs together and and do unbelievable things like that. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Incredible. Where does that? I'm trying to think where that was. Imola, is it? I don't know. It's not that's for not Finney, but I know what I... <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're a long way from there. There, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. The songwriting. I'm sorry, but to ask the same question again with this band, but the songwriting. What what was that like in this band with Phil? Basically, Todd or Phil or Tyler or Dane would write some music, um, in sound check sometimes or stuff. You know, when you're out in the house, you write stuff or whatever. Yeah. So all the music would come from them. Yeah, and then they would basically Todd would basically send me like a demo of of some music, and then I would just write the melodies and words over right. that. That was the format for for all all of that basically. Right. For everything we did, so it's handy because everyone in the band could play guitar. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone could write. You know, Dings on drums, but he can play bass like a bastard, can he? And he can play guitar. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it was really every album's got everyone on it. You know, yeah. class. And then we did right. we did a five. I think it was a five track EP to start with, um, and that's went down really well. We released it on the Motorhead imprint on UDR Records because like the connection with Phil and and everything there, and it's went down really well. Phil sent it to a few people, like flipping Guns and Roses management people, and they were loving it, and it was class. You know, it's like. Everyone's into it, which is it's a bit of a relief but for me personally, anyway, because like obviously I'm stepping in as a singer associated with Phil Campbell with the legendary Motorhead, like yeah. yeah. So it's always, it was always a bit of a in the back of my mind, like you know, I'm I'm never going to try and be like Lemmy. It, it wouldn't a feel right. No one should do that anyway. Um, and yeah, so when people actually were complimentary about the songs it was a, a load off my shoulders really because i didn't want to try i wanted to write what i wanted to write i didn't want to yeah try and write something that i thought you know motorhead fans would like fans, yeah of course but yeah um so there's always that element of doubt in your mind then when you're writing it's like oh is this gonna translate to everyone now yeah, you know but absolutely bad. That, all, all the feedback was always awesome like you know so it was cool yeah and yeah did some super rad stuff with that then went on and did like Obviously, the headline shows all over the place. Yeah. Um, all different types of... We see the play a cruise every year. Did the yeah, boat. Right. Yeah, and the Fozzie did one, the, didn't we? Did the, the Chris uh, Jericho yeah, cruise. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the Megadeth cruise. Um, I think Dane was saying that. He was like, you you were on late on the on the Fozzie thing, and then all of a sudden, Jericho rocks up fucking singing with you and Phil and all that later. Yeah, yeah. And they're like... Oh, it's random. <laughs> There's been a few random ones where, like, I'm singing, and then <laughs> I looked to my left, and then, oh, it's, it's, it's D. Snyder. Here he is. 
<laughs> there he is, man. Hey. I'm singing with Dee Snyder. Oh, I'm singing with Chris Jericho. Yeah. Oh, I'm singing with Whitfield Crane. I was a massive Ugly Kid Joe fan. That was a mind-blowing when he came up and was singing. Yeah, yeah. We did a little tour with him as well. And, uh, Where was that too? Did, UK. Did, UK. UK, was it? Were yeah, yeah. More than them or...? Yeah. Yeah, they offered us the whole tour, I think, but I think maybe we could only do the UK part for some reason. But he let me sing Ugly Kid Joe's song in soundcheck. My mind was just blown, like. Yeah. And I came off and he's like, yeah, you got the words a bit wrong, but I'll, I'll forgive you for that. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I stuffed it. My one chance with Whitfield Crane, I stuffed it. Oh, there we go. Dude. Yeah, it's, it's some absolutely class things, like. The biggest thing we did was our Guns N' Roses shows. They were unbelievable. Um, I'm saying as if they're, they're no longer. They're still going, obviously. Yeah, but, like, but I I genuinely remember seeing the poster go up before you'd even played a show. Um, and then luckily with social media and stuff, when you put some of those crowd shots up, I was just like, huh. fucking hell. Wow. That's like, yeah. that's what we grew up on, wasn't it? Seeing like those those crowds, like, you know, it's fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. proper... That's how you draw draw a gig, like you know, it's fucking out. It's a different level, like you know. Well, you know yourselves. You try and take it all in when you're on stage, but you know you can't take it all in, can you? And then to have those photos to look back on late in the night or a month down the road or a year down the road, it's like it's nice, you know, because you do yeah. do your best to try and live the moment and like soak up every inch of atmosphere you can. But you know, you know yourselves. You get on stage and it's over, like before you yeah. know it. What what do you like about before you go on stage? Are you are you nervous? Do you get? I mean, it's obviously crowds like that. Well, that was a different level. Like personally, no, I get more nervous. Do like an open mic mic to my mum's ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. honestly, genuinely. But I'm quite um, I'm quite like I had a little routine where I'd like make my honey and lemon and do some do some warm ups, and um, so it'd be the same routine every day. Yeah. Slip the denim jacket on, like, yeah. and um, yeah, just try and try and enjoy it. Uh, yeah, nerves not really a thing for me on those shows. I think maybe the first couple I did with Phil, yeah. I probably was super nervous. Yeah. I can't remember, but probably more because it was the first band I've ever been in where I didn't have a guitar as well. So I was yeah. a bit like, "What do I do cool. with this?" Like, um, so I just held the mic as tight as I could for forty minutes. <laughs> Yeah, did um, that take a few gigs to kind of adjust to that? Like, you know, like, were you looking back at videos and stuff, just seeing how you move and... I'm not sure like... if I ever really adjusted, to be honest with you. It's, it's hard. Like, mm. when you've had a guitar for that long in front of you, it is a bit of a comfort blanket, like. Um, yeah. I definitely watched videos of, like, Eddie Vedder and stuff to try and get some ideas of, like, what I consider to be cool front men do, like. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was—he's always bopping around and bringing the energy, and that's what I tried to do as well. You know, just try to be as energetic as possible, whilst also keeping a little bit of breath to be able to sing. But yeah, it's hard because you want to—you got these moments where there's obviously guitar solos in that band in particular. There's a lot of guitar solos, so it's like, well, what do I do now as a singer? Like, you know, I don't want to just yeah. stand there and and do nothing, but. I don't want to go mental because obviously it's not my moment. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Someone else is. So I found those moments challenging, like to figure out what to do. 
Besides yeah, I, weird I, I would, but... I would, I would, I'd be flip, uh, stressing out over that. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky, really, because Shane doesn't like uh, solos, so he's like, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to worry about it too much. Yeah, take take the limelight quick. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love a breather on stage. I just don't care. I'm like, yeah. oh, they are handy, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're few and far between. Right. Yeah, man. And now let's talk about your new project, which. It really excited me from the off, to be honest. I didn't know you were you were up to anything, and then obviously when when that popped up on Facebook, how did that come about, dude? Started lockdown basically. Um, so it's been in the works for you know a year a year or so. Um, a guy I did a tour with with Attack Attack was from Germany, and we just stayed in, in contact, stayed friends after that. I messaged him, start a lockdown, and said, look. Do you like the Beatles? Super question. Like, but he's like, yeah, I fucking love the Beatles. It's like, oh, do you want to do like a punk rock Beatles band then? Because the, the original idea came about back to States and Empires. We did a couple of Beatles songs with States as States and Empires covers. We never released them because it happened right towards the end. Ah, right. Um, oh. So there's a couple of tracks on this album which are literally original versions of those States and Empires songs, basically. Right. Um, so they've been here for literally years. Wow. You know, but like, I've always thought it'd be a cool thing to do, but then, you know, never had a time to actually sit down and do it. Um, cause there's, there's been various like ideas spat around over the years of like with Dane and Todd and stuff, of doing stuff together of, with it, you know? Yeah. But it's, it's never materialized. Like, so, um, yeah, I mean, I should be said, yeah, I'd love to do it. I messaged Will who was in attack attack. And said, "Remember those couple of songs we did with Stacey Empires? Do you want to do a full album of it? Like, and he's like, "Yeah, class." So we basically, oh, it's all gone dark. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, put twenty pence in, man. Well, I skint. I've got a band anymore, boys. Can't afford, <laughs> afford lights. It's what it's like. It's Hang all really Star Wars figures. That's way, man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, like... fight, he's in the dark with it and all his collection starts coming down like <laughs> yeah. fucking hell. <laughs> we're almost there, we're almost there. That'd be our band hour, wouldn't it? Yay! Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, I got one of those fancy lights, see? I love it. My daughter uses it for TikTok. So it's still there. <laughs> so <laughs> that's in I move out across a bit and we'll be in shot. Yeah, so um yeah. we obviously it's all done remotely. Like, the idea with the drummers was basically we'll just get a different drummer in for every song. Um, so there's not one... You know, it's like 14 or 12 or 14 drummers on the album. Um, so they all went in the studio, did their drums. We gave them, like, demos of the stuff we were doing, like, but said kind of, you know, interpret it yourself as well. Do what you want to do. And then Todd Campbell had the, you know, tricky task of making all that sound consistent then as an album yeah, which he did yeah. he did an amazing job on but yeah so the drums are all done 12 different studios 12 different drummers um and then the rest is done in the houses basically i, I actually went out to todd's studio and did my vocals and guitars um, so but who came up with like the arrangements and stuff but because you know when i when i heard about this i was thinking all right it's going to be like faster versions of the beatles but there's there's subtle changes, dude. There's there's vibes in these songs, and, and in particular, like Helter Skelter, Tax Man. Um, 
I saw her standing there. These, this, you know, there's these vibes in them. And it's, who, who was that about the arrangement? Is that you? Whoever sang it arranged it basically. Right. So we, we kind of 50 50 on the, on the singing. Yeah. Um, it's hard to pick songs. I, I kind of had to go into it thinking we won't just do one album because otherwise I'm going to lose my mind trying to pick yeah. six songs I want to do. It's like 40 songs I want to do. Yeah. 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 It's the Beatles. So I, yeah. I was like, I was like, I got to just believe that I'm going to do more because then I can, you know, commit to doing just these six for now. Like, yeah. So yeah, I, Taxman was one, was one of my, was one of mine with that one. I just, because the riff is so like good. Yeah. In my head, I was like, that was on class. If Tom Morello played that, riff. yes, yeah. Dude, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, 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 and that's what I wanted to go for. Yeah, yeah I wanted to go for like that ragey kind of yeah vibe on it, you know, to really emphasize the riff on that song. Um, Helter Skelter. I read a bit about it. Like Paul McCartney wanted to write the heaviest song ever written at that time. That was his basic goal. He heard the Who apparently and was like, "Oh, we gotta gotta write something heavier than that because they're claiming to be the heaviest band in the world." Yeah. So that's why Helter Skelter came about. So I was like, well, if we're going to do that, I got to try and like rip my throat to shreds. I love that vo- version, but I love Helter it. Helter Skelter is track 15. It's just the last track last one. On, the, yeah. on the record. And it's, I, I said to Shane earlier, I was just so vibing. Because um, obviously I heard the, the, the first video you did and I was like, fuck, I love this. I'm sold on this. And I hadn't even heard the other 14 tracks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I heard Helter Skelter, because obviously as soon as I played in the car, 1 to 15 old school, um, and that fucking 15 cracked in and I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I yeah. was like, fuck, that's... <laughs> It's insulting to say it's better than the Beatles because we love the Beatles and I love the Beatles, but that is my favourite version about the Skelter. It's just fucking... It's incredible, man. It's just like... It's our youth. It's our journey through music yeah. and one fucking track, like, you know, that's the uh, biggest compliment I can ever give anyone. Like, it's, 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 it's a compliment. It's hard because, like, you're not the first person to say, like, oh. I preferred your version of a certain song that we've oh. done. Yeah. And obviously, it's hard to hear that because it's the Beatles, isn't it? But like, yeah. you know, we have done our best to to, to compliment where we can. Obviously, you know, it's a nerve wracking thing to think let's cover some Beatles songs because they're so iconic and already amazing. Like, um, but yeah, I just my idea with that song was to basically give it everything, leave nothing on the on the pitch, like. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty pretty sure we'll never be able to play it live. But <laughs> I was gonna say, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me that because I was like, oh, can you imagine this live? How fucking heavy that. Oh, I was just like, last song on the tour, last tour date, last song. That's what I'll be. Probably. <laughs> just the vocals, man. Oh, killer. It's cool yeah. as well. You put we put one of those um octave guitar pedals on the on the guitar as well. So it makes them really heavy, like that low thing, which is class. But yeah, it's um. So yeah, if I sang it, basically, it was my choice of song and my arrangement, and vice versa. So there's obviously going to be other albums then. I definitely want to do more. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Get get the old Ronnie boy on a track if he's uh if he's Fuck up for a lot. Fuck I. It's um. Well, we grew up me and me and Shane. It was it was so mad that you chose the Beatles because like we started in school playing the Beatles, didn't we, Shane? It was, it was like... It was our curriculum, our music teacher. Yeah. Just, that's what we... That was our songbook, like. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I had then, the same. 
I had to sing. Yeah, and then when you go down that rabbit hole, and, like, we went to college then, and um, I remember, like, doing, like, you know, session work, if it's called that. Uh, We were playing with, like, our old college lecturer, and he'd just be, like, just 17, or he'd just be throwing you Beatles songs, and I didn't realise how many I knew without even rehearsing with a band. Like, you know, it was just... And that's not saying they're easy. It was just their arrangements, and they're so fucking catchy. Um... And I grew up with the Beatles in the house. Like, you know, my mom always played the Beatles. It was just like, it's just such a band where, you know, and I know they're not everybody's flavor. And, you know, especially in the rock world, it's like, ooh, I don't like them. Or you're more the who or more the, but for me, I just, Oh, man, you just can't fault fault that. Like, like even Helter Skelter, I was fucking buzzing in the car when you got that kick in your head in. And then the second verse is when all the harmonies come in as well. The, the, the The wall of harmonies, the, yeah. And I'm like, fucking hell. You, you, you're buzzing, I've, always been, like... <laughs> I've always been a fan of them. I used to, like, a layer harmony, like, now and again. Yeah. I don't mean, like, we used to push Ramesh's uh, original 24 track to the limit sometimes with the old vocal harmonies. Like, for... He loves the harmony, don't you, Shano? Wow, but I love him. I love him. There's a limit. Oh, I, was, there's I, was no... I was listening to the album, and I was like, please still have the harmonies in that that before it even press play like i you know i love the beatles grew up on the beatles but what you did but you know you you did it your way and the boys way um with the arrangements and stuff but still had the beauty of the beatles and those harmonies but they were class absolutely you can't class. take away you can't take them away can you because you can't it's part of what the beatles are like isn't it? Yeah. you know yeah. there's so many interesting harmonies like it's difficult like paperback writer Oh, I had to, oh, what a what a version! Yes, yeah. I googled, I googled the video on uh, what the harmonies were. I I do recommend you do this afterwards. There's a guy somewhere in Norway or something, and his video is hilarious. His voice is terrible, <laughs> and his his accent's brilliant. It's like <laughs> paperback writer, <laughs> and he's uh, like video two. <laughs> Paperback writer, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like these different videos. Oh, it's brilliant! That's how I learned. Uh, That's how I listen to the harmonies. <laughs> oh, it's class. But like, there's a bit, there's a bit in there. It's like there's a backing vocal on a set on one of the verses. I was like, what are they actually even saying there? Like, and I did a bit of digging around, and they're saying Freire Jacka. Yeah, it's like so random, like. <laughs> Stuff you, you know, you, I must have heard that song 500 times and never, you know, worked it out. And then when you have to sing it, you've got to know what it is. Like. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's just random stuff like that, you know, figuring out what they're saying and on little bits that you've heard a million times but don't actually know what they're saying. It's mad, that is because Ronnie does that on our songs, and that's not even joking. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking terrible at that. I'm terrible. I am... I hate the fact I'm I fucking shit with lyrics. Even like Foo Fighters songs I grew up with, I'll I'll change a word, but I don't know if it's like part of like dyslexia or something. But it's almost like I use something else, and that becomes that's it. And I did it with our band and Shane and like well Shane noticed it first, then Lloyd caught on to it, and then they were taking a fucking piss. So I'd sing a just a line on my own behind Shane, just a, a separate melody. And they were like, what the fuck are you singing there? And I can't even remember what I was doing now, but it was completely... And Shane went, that's not the lyrics, bro. I was like, it is, isn't it? He was like, no. And then he sang me the lyrics. I went, oh, mine oh. sounded all right. Mine sounded all right, though, didn't it? <laughs> it's trying to justify the fact of... They weren't yeah. even lyrics. They were just noises. You just made yeah. like these noises. 
Yeah, um, with like one or two words chucked in it. Yeah, it was, chucked it in it. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the old oi-oi's with the punks and stuff. Do you know what I mean? So it was almost, uh, yeah, it was fucking, hang on. Oh, there we are. Yeah, times like these, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so yeah. I just fucking, I done in a whoa, whoa, like a beach boy fucking, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah, mad, like, it's just fucking mad. So, yeah, I'm guilty of doing that with the band, unfortunately. So, learn your lyrics. Have you looked at your lyrics on um, Apple Music and that when you go when the lyrics come up when you listen to a song? No. Have a look. At, have a look at your own songs. There's some. I look at some Phil Campbell ones, and uh, there's some absolute howlers in there where they got the words wrong. Some of them, <laughs> even, some, some of them were even better. And I was like, why did I think that? Keep her. Yeah. I'll take that one down. I'll take that one. Down. I can't remember. I have to. Like, it was this sort of ringleader, and there was a line in there. And it's like, oh, that, that line is genius. It's not why I sang, but it's what they got done. <laughs> I said, that line is so Kirkabane, it's unbelievable. I'm gutted I didn't think of it. And uh, I said to the boys, like, boys, you've got to see these lyrics. Like, but it, almost every song's got a mistake in it, and it's, it's hilarious. Like, but the, the process of this record must have been so exciting when you were, when you were seeing it all come together. Like, do you know what I mean? Because I, I assume, was it just going to you, or was it going to you? Um, and who's the other singer? What's his name? Uh, Sibby. Sibby. So was it Sibby, going, yeah. was it going all out at the same time or was it To be honest, it was a bit of a weird one because if I wasn't singing it, yeah. He would do all the guitars. Cool. If I was singing it, I'd do all the guitars. Yeah. So like I kind of wouldn't hear anything until I went to Todd's studio to sing my backing vocals on his song. Right. And I'd be like, Oh, this is fucking wicked. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm I'm the last man in it now, putting the, the last little bit on it. So I was hearing the songs a lot of the time for the first time, which was, so the anticipation wasn't really there building up, but then once like Todd had done the mixes, I just wanted it out there. I wanted everyone to hear it. Like, you know what I mean? But you've got that waiting game then of getting everything ready and, mm. you know, got to do what you got to do. But yeah, there wasn't really that anticipation building up whilst recording. Cause you know, I was either recording all of it, my end, and it's done, or I was hearing it at the very end once everyone else had already done their stuff. I remember Todd sending me the drum track to I saw her standing there as a solo track, and he was like, what is going on? He's like, how am I, how am I going to deal with this? Like, it's this one <laughs> drum solo. If you listen to it, the yeah, song yeah, on its own with the drums, it's just like... Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's all... Yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> so I, I was I hadn't heard like the demo he'd done with the vocals on. So I was like trying to imagine what this song's going to sound like just from hearing this mental drum track. Like. But it, it all worked in the end. It sounded good. But at the time I was like, what, what's this kid doing? Like, oh, it's so cool. And Todd's done a great job on the production and yeah, stuff yeah. as well. Like, so oh, he, he put a lot of effort into it. I know that. Cause he, you know, trying to get that sounding consistent across the board is not easy. Like, yeah. I'm glad. Cause I didn't want to dig too deep. And that's why I wanted to chat to you about it. Cause I love, I don't know, it is, it's that whole, like, fucking, you know, listening to our own albums made. I love the stories behind it, like, where was it done, who was it done with and stuff. So it's um, it's cool to hear, like, considering the job he had with bits and bobs here and there, how, how well it is as a listener when you sit in a car and you're like, fuck, I love, I really like this, like, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there plans to gig it, dude? Is it, like, little jokes or, or talks with the boys? Or oh, maybe we could do one or two gigs? Yeah, or... no, definitely, definitely. Uh, he's in Germany, the other guy, so it's difficult to yes, yeah, to know know when restrictions will you know ease up a bit for us to do that. I know, like, if we're all in the UK now, we can do some stuff, but in Germany, it's still really bad. Apparently, they're not 
even German bands aren't allowed out. Like so, it seems like in the UK we're a little bit ahead of what they're doing. Like, but um, yeah, definitely do some stuff at some point. But he's in another band still as well. So and they, that's his full time job, like another band. So yeah, it'll be fitting in around his his schedule and stuff with that. Um, but the plan is to do it. And I'd like to do a second album, but like, you know, fairly soonish if possible. And my idea would be to like book a studio for three days and just get all the drummers to come in and like try and do a whole album in like three days with like everyone here. And yeah, that's my idea. Brilliant. You should, kind, you of, should kind of a total opposite of the other way, like, because it's all done without even seeing each other last one. I'd like, I'd like to get like everyone in, you know? Yeah, you should video that, dude. Yeah. I've yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, because I wish this was videoed. Because I want to know more about this project as well. Almost fly on the fucking wall, like you know. Mm. I know it was like all off the cuff, and as you're doing it, it's obviously growing. But um, it's really interesting what you've what you've achieved by you, like you know. And I like the fact that you've got guest drummers, and I like the fact that you know the other singers in Germany, or I like the fact of you're you're doing different arrangements separately and. So yeah, I agree with Shane, but there, there's this fucking there's something, but they do to have it all filmed and um, yeah, it'd be cool. I think just got like Mono Valley for a couple of days or Rockfield yeah. for a couple of days and just yeah, I don't know, yeah. maybe like maybe get a, a couple of engineers in so we can just go like twenty four seven, like do you know what I mean? And brilliant, yeah. One drum is coming out, the other one's coming in, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and then like you know, Will's in Studio B, slamming the bass down to that guy's track, yeah. and then he's tracking in now the next one and. Just create this like machine. Like, well, that's um, the thing. Yeah, you had that in Rockfield because when we recorded down there, you got the um, coach house. You got yeah, you got the the two studios on the go. So yeah, so it could work, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. you could literally yeah. do that. Especially if you did like another fifteen track album. You've got your your drums down there, and you you're almost jamming it. Right, wicked. You happy with that? Great. Go down and fucking record your drums, and then you you work on the next track, which is yeah, so exciting. Like you know, and yeah, it'd be cool. I can see this band in festivals as well, really fucking tearing it up, like, you know, getting everybody partying and, and, and going for it, like, you know? It should, because, like, the songs are there, and they're iconic songs, everyone knows them already. You know, we're just going to put a bit of energy behind it and yep. and and give it some, like, you know, and it should, it should do it should do right. It's mad yeah. to think, though, but it's the second album, though, the last Phil Campbell, Phil Campbell album we did. We didn't play it before we recorded it. We all did it remotely in lockdown. So I've done two albums now. <laughs> I never actually played the song of either of them as a band. Like, it's yeah. mental. Fuck, you know? yeah. I forgot about that with the Phil Campbell one as well. Yeah, because we were going to go in and record anyway. It was all booked. Yeah. And then, the, and then the lockdown happened. So it was like, well, rather than, you know, delaying everything, you know, Todd had his studio. So it's like, Dane can come in and, I, and do it on his own. Tyler comes in, does it on his own. Obviously, Todd does guitars, Phil does guitars, and I came in and did my vocals. Like, but we didn't play the songs, the five of us, once. Like, writing them, I wrote them all. I wrote them all in this room, Fuck. all the melodies and and lyrics. Like, just Todd would send me demos of them all. Like, it's mental. That you can do that this day and age. Like. Yeah, it is. It's frightening because I've seen a lot of um, projects happening o- online, uh, and everybody kind of in, in different fucking. Well, you've got people in America jamming with someone in in Wales, like you know, it, yeah, it, yeah. you know, with Pro Tools, everything the way you you zip it all back and forth now as well. And if you've got good engineering skills as well, like like Todd has, you can you can make that a bit more seamless, like you know. So yeah, 
Well, like the punk rock factory boys, isn't it? They've done the same with that Disney yes. album they've done yeah. and different guest vocalists from America and all that. And... Yeah, well, that's how they, yeah, that's how they really started making a massive impact, like, you know, because mm. I was speaking to, to Cobb and Benj the other day and that really tipped them over and the fact that the Disney record as well, I mean, in a lockdown when fucking, I, I, you know, the market is massive for pop punk still Um and the fact they did a Disney record as well, it's just like yeah. it's perfect timing, like, you know? And, Win-win, like... Yeah, and i just seen on the weekend they played Bloodstock and, and the place just fucking erupted, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> it's amazing to see. Bloodstock, everybody's singing Let It Go, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't write it. You couldn't write it, like... <laughs> but it works, man. You need, those, you need those moments, don't you? Like, you know, they're, they're fun, like, so... But like, I said, I, they're going into it. Just, it's fun, isn't it? That's the, that's the key word. They're just there having a, a laugh, having a time of their lives, and then that energy and enthusiasm rubs off on a crowd. And you get to see those pictures of them and Bloodstock and his slamming, like... Yeah, Good, good, good luck to him. And, yeah. and I can't let you go, dude, as well, without uh, praising you for your uke skills as well. There it is, Because there's yet another challenge, which says a lot about you, dude, of, like, how committed you are. Have I got this right? Ah, you... look, it's there, man. Yeah, there he is, boy. <laughs> Did this start off a challenge where you did a song a day? Yeah, it was a joke, basically. It was New Year's Eve, and uh, my wife and I were drunk. And she's like, ah, I dare you to do a song every day next year on ukulele and upload it on YouTube. But go on, I'll do it, no problem. Day one, day two, day three, oh, shit. (laughs) I'm going on tour next week. What am I going to do now? Like, oh, take the uke with you, innit? Outside the... Leaning Tower of Pisa, like I played some. There's this woman and man we, at the biggest waterfall in Europe in Switzerland. I can't remember what it was called. I was like, oh, I'll do chasing waterfalls here. I'll be, that'll be good. So I'm down there playing, and then this guy and woman getting married walked up to me in broken English, like, oh, could you play a song for our wedding for us? I'm like, is this happening? Like, <laughs> I'm in the, the middle of Switzerland, my ukulele playing some random person's wedding, like, but yeah, it was right. pretty mad. But it got a bit hard towards the end because yeah. you start running out of songs. And when when December hit, I was like, oh, that's good. I just roll it in with Christmas carols now for 31 days. Job done. But so it, it was it was hard. On YouTube now, there are... That's unbelievable. It, there's 365. 64, because some for some reason, Prince didn't quite like my Dove's Cry cover. Oh, no, that's not fair. <laughs> I, had a, I had a strike-off Prince for that. So it was amazing as well, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> it was amazing. That was my favourite one. It was a good one, and he took it down. Ah, oh, that's savage. But yeah, and I can't even remember how we went now. I'd do it again if I could, but I can't even remember the arrangement. I literally would, like, arrange it there and then, and then play it and record it, and I wouldn't even remember it. Like, every day I wake up... And I have a notification on YouTube. It's quite funny because, like, I don't even remember half the songs I did. And would be like, oh, so-and-so, so-and-so in Brazil, like, your cover of Ace of Ace of Bass, All That She Wants. <laughs> I remember that one. I remember that one. And I'm like, did I really cover that? And then, yes, yeah, so it's quite funny every morning. There's always a couple of, like, new comments on different videos. And it reminds me of the songs I did because I have no idea. Some of them, I'm in my football talks. I'm off to play football. I'm, like, bashing it out quick, like, because I'd forgotten I had to do it. And I'm like, about to leave for football. I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Molly's lips by Nirvana, two chords. Oh, get it done. Get yes. the football. But it was, it was stressful. 
But, you know, it was a bit of fun, I suppose. Are you still no, playing football, bud? Do you still have a kick around? Or? I'm, out, I'm out with the old groin injury a minute. Oh. Mm. Where do you play, bud? What position? I'm like, um, I'm like Iniesta. I can pick, <laughs> pick a pass. But I I know I know a good track in box to box, so too many pounds on me. Like, but I can pick a pass. Like, so you're lazy. That's what you're saying. Is it? Mm, <laughs> just fat. Just fat. Just age now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, I get about no. a thousand assists a game, but again, no goals. I never, <laughs> I never there. Like, well, I don't know if we know, but but we are be, we will be having a charity football match with uh, against the Steelers uh, crew. So um, oh. there's a space there for you. When crew, when is that? When is that? Hopefully oh, get it then. Yeah, we're gonna tie the date down, so we'll get we'll definitely get your groin fixed, and then I'll message you off air. Um, because I'm hoping like to get together, you know, a couple of weeks before once the team is kind of locked in, and have a couple of kick arounds and stuff like that, and then um, but yeah, I, I'll actually have to tell you off air. There's this. I think you'll be signed up when you when you hear some of the plans. You're like, fuck, I am game for that. Like, I'd be in anyway. I had an MRI about two weeks ago, just to try and figure out what it was because they've had this now for like. It came on about July last year, and I went to have some physio privately because we couldn't get anything on the NHS. COVID was, if I've got COVID, there's nothing wrong with you. Just carry on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I waited six months. She said, just rest six months. I was like, oh, flipping heck. Like, there's no football happening anyway, so it's like, it's not so bad. And then as soon as they opened back up a month or two ago, I played, gone straight away. Tamping, so yeah, I paid for a private MRI in the end just to get it done, and it, it is what she thought it was. It's some osteitis pubis or something, which is basically the the bone, the pelvic bone connection is all inflamed, so it's got to rest it and and see what happens in about six months' time. So I might not be able to do it. I can coach though. We'll involve you. That's what I was going to say. You'll be involved. I definitely want to be involved. Okay. Fuck! I get that sheepskin uh, coat on. Shit. <laughs> Your retro Welsh top. You'll be down there, boy. I got my 1980s uh, Ronnie Moran Liverpool coach jacket. Oh, I, I know. Awesome. Yeah, yes, brother. Anyway, moving on. Talking. Moving on. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> uh, Man United fan, and I. So, uh, yeah. Uh, you don't want to hear the Anfield rap then? No. <laughs> <laughs> Only I unless do. you're going to play it on the uke, actually. Yeah. Next time. Well, Steve McMahon, short and rap. It's about time he had an England cap. So come on, Bobby Robson, he's the man. Because if anyone can, Macca can. Macca can. Macca can. Macca can. Macca can. Ah, this boy's oh, genius. I might have covered that on the 365, <laughs> I don't know. I also know, for some reason, the 1987 Tottenham Hotspur song, Word for Word. I don't even know why I know that. I Can't think we were, on, we were on about this in the bus before of um, how football songs were really catchy when we were growing up, how we knew pretty much every fucking lyric without, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. It was it was Tottenham, Coventry, FA Cup final. Don't support either of them teams. Yeah, I know Chaz and Dave's song, <laughs> word for word. <laughs> it's Chaz and Dave, man. Chaz and Dave. <laughs> Ray, Clemens, Mitchell, Thomas, Gary, Stephen, Steve, Hodge. They're all going to put on a show for you. And don't forget Ozzy, especially Cozzy. Back in 80 when he had his dream come true. Nico, Clouston, Houston and Galvin, etc. It goes on. <laughs> That's the entire squad of 87, apparently. 
know how he came back in. Here we go. No, Perhaps you come up with this, uh, a song for the Stilo scheme, man. Oh, let's do that. Yeah. There's a, there's we, were a banging, we were a banging uh, Euro 2016 song on the Van Dunder Leon. Me, uh, Tyler Campbell, and Leon Stanford, and a few others. But we never recorded it. We should have. It was awesome. You have to tip a word for it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then, you'll go, then you'll go to have a look. Have a look. Yeah, it was, it was a Yoop song as well. Brilliant. Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, bro. Thank you so much for your time. Um, well, thanks for having me, boys. We need to catch up, dude. Yes, we yeah. will. we got to do that, honestly. Uh, ASAP. Um, and I'll tell you all about the football thing as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That'll get That'd you buzzing about that. that. That's yeah. We've got a couple of things planned for that, which I think you'll fucking love, mate. And uh, awesome. you just said the two sixteen thing then, so we got loads to talk about that as well. So that's brilliant. Oh, what a time I was! <sighs> what a time! Love what it. Time. Beautiful. We'll catch you for a beer soon, dude. All right. Yeah, man. Nice one. Thanks nice one. So much. If I don't speak to you beforehand, good luck with the show at the end of the month. Thank you. That bro. is un- unreal. It's gonna be awesome. Love it, bro. And if you want to come make us awesome. up as well, all right, we'll sort that out. They've got tickets already, boys. Hey, look at that. They've got to support the boys. Got to support the boys. <laughs> in the U, the in the U. That, they're like, I got tickets. We're like, fucking hell of you. They're like, yeah, yeah, I got tickets. Thank you. The thing is, I think everyone, because of COVID and I know everyone feels a bit bad about like, people haven't been able to do this for 18 months properly, are they? So yeah. it's like, yeah. it, feels, it feels a bit wrong to say, can ever guess this, even though, like, you know, your industry's been screwed for so long. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, man. But, but yeah, it's going to be good. Beautiful. Bring, awesome. See you in a couple of weeks and we'll have a beer now, and That's brilliant. Yeah. Bring, the, bring the uke, but then we'll teach Ronnie the Liverpool rap. Fuck off. Yes. <laughs> Liverpool FC is hard as hell. United, Tottenham, <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> I love it, man. Oh, Pleasure, bro. Thank you so much. Just take care, brother. Take care, boys. Thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. Ta-da!